Look with me in John, the third chapter. John 3 and 14. We've been on a subject for some weeks now called, anybody know what it's called? Eternal life. And I think we're nearing the uh, conclusion of this. You, you never really finish these. You just get to an unhooking point, emphasize something else. But the scripture tells us that eternal life has been purchased and given to us by the Son of God, Jesus. This is the greatest thing, one of the greatest things you will ever hear. For all of its existence, humanity has sought a reprieve from mortality, has sought escape from death. And uh, because of death being imminent, there's the fear of death. And to many people, death is irrecoverable loss. People think dying is the absolute worst thing that could happen to anybody. Why? Because you're gone, gone for good, gone forever. No coming back. This is a lie. This is not true. No one who dies physically is gone forever. The spirit exists and continues to exist in a different place. If you believe the Bible... You accept this. In John 3, notice verse 14, he said, As Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up. And he was. He was lifted up on the cross. That whosoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. Now here we see two outcomes. One is perishing, and that describes loss. And in this case, it's not just loss of life, it's loss of soul. The Bible said if you gain the whole world, but you lose your own soul, what have you profited? What have you done with your life? So perishing has to do with being separated from God and dying spiritually. But the other is eternal life. Is everyone going to have eternal life and be with God and the family of God in the ages to come? No. Some, in fact, Jesus said, many are going to perish. Now this is not politically correct. People don't like to hear this. And this is one of the things that makes skeptics and unbelievers so angry and so mad is that the Bible says there is only one way to God, to eternal life, and it is through Jesus. Now, you know, you will be accused of being ignorant, uneducated, narrow-minded, stupid, bigot, prejudiced everything else if you hold to the truth of the word that there is only one way. But it's either true or it's not. Even in religious circles, Jesus said that religious people have made the word of God of none effect by their traditions and that people hold on to traditional beliefs Instead of the word, replacing the word of God. So people believe religious stuff that's been around for centuries. Just because it's old doesn't make it right. If it was wrong 500 years ago, it hadn't got any writer. <laughs> and people say, well, you know, billions of people can't be wrong. Are you kidding? <laughs> the majority is usually wrong. No, this, we mentioned this earlier, but this is one of the things that differentiates us from many people on the planet. I'm talking about people like you and me. We have made the Word of God 
our absolute standard. We say it is true, it is real, it is right, no matter what anybody else says, no matter how I feel about it or you feel about it, it's right. It's true. If it says many are going to perish, then it doesn't matter how many and what religions of the world believe. Many are going to perish. If it says there is eternal life in Jesus and he's the only way, it's true. How many have accepted the Word of God, the Bible, as the Word of God? It is inspired and God-breathed. It is living and powerful. It is 100% correct, true, right. Now this will cause people to dislike you. And some people to hate you, despise you. Why? Because they refuse to accept that the Bible is the Word of God. They refuse to accept that things really are the way the Bible says. They want to believe something else. Well, if you don't want the truth, what else is there to believe? Only lies. But the devil is very ready to bring you all manner of lies and all manner of other things, including all manner of religious things that contradict the Bible, if you want to believe something else. Keep reading. He said in verse uh, 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Eternal life, everlasting life. Skip down to verse 36. He that believes on the son has everlasting life. Not going to get it when you die. You have it now. He that believes not the Son shall not see life. So are you okay if you don't accept Jesus as Lord? Are you okay? Will you be okay? So you got millions of people that say, well, in these cases, you don't have to believe in Jesus. You'll still be all right. Or everybody will still be okay. I don't want to see people lost. I hope more people are saved than we're thinking. I do. But how can I ignore the Bible? How can I just say, well, everybody's going to be okay? When Jesus said they weren't. If you're a Christian, you ought to believe what the Christ said. We follow the Christ. He said, he that believes on the Son has everlasting life. Do you believe that God sent his son Jesus into the world to save us. Do you believe it? Do you believe he hung on the cross and paid the price for your sins? Do you believe God raised him from dead, from the dead on the third day? Do you receive him as your Lord and Savior? And do you believe you are saved because of what he has done? Then you've been born again. <laughs> you pass. You've been born again. And you have everlasting Life, not in your body, in your inner man. The outer man is getting older. The Bible uses the word decaying. That's not very nice, is it? <laughs> but again, it's accurate. <laughs> but the inner man is a new creation. All things have passed away. And the inner man is renewed day by day because of eternal life. We are not aging internally. We are developing, but we will never age. We will never grow old in the inner man. And one of these days, our bodies are going to be changed and made like Jesus' glorious body. And our body will also then never age. And never change. Won't that be great? Won't it be great? Oh, glory to God. Somebody say glory to God. 
things that we've seen, John, you don't have to turn there, they'll put it on the screen for us, but John 17, 1, actually 3, John 17, 3, it says, this is life eternal, that they might know you, the only true God and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. We don't earn eternal life by living good. You cannot earn heaven, eternal life, by doing good things and doing good works. It's by being born again and knowing God through Jesus. Let me read it again. What is eternal life? Jesus said, this is life eternal that they might what? Know you. The only true God, we should not respect other religions. Because if there's only one true God, all that other stuff is lies and deception. Now, we don't have to try to ruffle people's feathers unnecessarily, but no, do not show honor and respect to any other religion and God. To do so, you're disrespecting the one true living God. Didn't he say, you'll have no other gods before me? This is life eternal, that they might know you, the only true God and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. Knowing God through faith in Jesus is the connection to eternal life. Now, by contrast, 2 Thessalonians 1 and 8, 2 Thessalonians 1 and 8 says, In flaming fire there will be vengeance on them that what? That don't know God and that obey not the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. Why don't they know God? They didn't accept the gospel. They didn't believe it. They didn't accept it. Verse 9, Who shall be punished With what? Everlasting destruction. Now you'll see that the same word that's used talking about everlasting life describes the destruction. Everlasting destruction. And what is that everlasting destruction? From the presence of the Lord. That's what makes hell, hell is the absence of God who is light and life. You can exist apart from God. You can't have life apart from God. Our light, our joy, our peace. But who is it that will be punished with everlasting destruction from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of his power. Oh my, who wants to never see the glory of his power? Amongst this bunch, who wants to see the glory of his power? The only way you're going to see the glory of his power and, and him revealing to us the exceeding riches of his grace in the ages to come, like Ephesians says, It's through knowing him. How do you come to know him? By faith in Jesus, you're born again. And you're placed into the family. You get acquainted with him. Christianity, real Christianity, is not an intellectual assenting to certain doctrines and truths. No, real Christianity is you met somebody. You might have met him at the altar or you might have met him when you bowed your knee in your living room watching the preacher on TV or whatever the case may be or in your car, wherever it was. But it's somewhere you prayed the prayer, you reached out to God, you believed and he manifested himself to you and you experienced him and you were born again and you know him. Certainly you don't know everything about him. What there is to know about him, you don't know that much. But you have met him. And you do know him. 
And you claim him, and he claims you. And that is why you will exist and live with eternal life throughout the ages to come. Because you know him. People who have rejected the gospel, who've rejected Jesus, they don't know God. And so they don't have eternal life. And so they won't spend eternity with God. This is one of the most disturbing things we could think about or talk about. And because of that, a lot of people have just stopped talking about it altogether, ministers included, because people find it offensive. You find the truth offensive? Do we need to know the truth about this? This is serious. We need to know. What will the truth do for us? It'll make us free from all the other junk. Look with me, if you would, to, uh, let's see, go with me to 2 Timothy 4, please. While you're going there, I'm going to read a scripture to you. You're going to 2 Timothy 4. Put up Matthew 7 and 13. I've referred to it, but I want you to know I didn't make it up. Jesus said, enter ye at the straight gate. Put it up in the NIV because I like the way it said, through the narrow gate. That's what straight means. Enter through the narrow gate for wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction and many enter through it. But small is the gate and narrow the road that leads to life, and only a few find it. You don't want to be on the world's interstate. You don't want to be in agreement with the masses on their spiritual beliefs. Because according to Jesus, the big, wide mass flow is going into destruction. This is disturbing. But is it true? And those who are going to life, it's a narrow way. It is not, you know, all inclusive, embracing all beliefs. It is one and only one. Now in 2 Timothy, the fourth chapter, or did did you get there? And the sixth verse. 2 Timothy 4 and verse 6, Paul said this after an amazing years of ministry. He'd been through a lot of things already by this point. And this is nearing the end of his ministry and life. He says, I am now ready to be offered. Now that refers to how he might, how he would die. He's willing to sacrifice his life, his body, for the gospel. And he says, and the time of my departure is at hand. The title of my message today is, Ready to Depart. (laughs) Ready to Depart. What does it mean to depart? He said, yeah, leave is a good word. Go is a good word. Actually, the origins of the Greek words here included the idea of untying a boat from its mooring so it could launch and sail. (laughs) To depart means you're unhooking (laughs) and you're leaving. And you're leaving where you are going somewhere else. Everybody say to depart. To depart. He said I'm the time of my departure is at hand. He's not saying the time that I'm ceasing to exist is at hand. It's going to be lights out. It's all over. No. He knew by revelation he knew I'm departing. Like we said, spiritual death is not the the ceasing to exist. 
It is separation. This word is interesting here on depart. The Greek literally means to separate into parts. To unloose, we've already talked about that, to undo. What would you mean separate into parts? Well, you're not just a body with a brain. There's another dimension that you can't see. This undetectable with material, physical instruments. Can't see it under a microscope. It's another dimension. Spirit. God is spirit. And he is the father of spirits. You're a spirit. Hallelujah. And uh, you know right now, I see you sitting there, but really, I see your house. You're on the inside. And you're looking at me through those two windows. We call eyes. You're in there. What happens is death is an uncoupling of the spirit from the body. And the spirit departs and leaves the body. That's what physical death is. He said, the time of my departure is at hand. Verse 7. Now here is a good example of being ready to go. <laughs> How do you know you're ready to go? A lot of folks, bless their heart, don't even have a clue about it. They keep trying to live like they're going to live down here for another thousand years. You should know it's not going to happen. When people have a close call, sometimes they go, whew, man, I almost died. Like, it ain't going to happen now. <laughs> I, I dodged the bullet. Now I'm not going to die. Oh, yeah, you are. The Lord tears is coming. It's that much longer. You're going to die. Are you ready? This is one of the most important things we could talk about. With ourselves with everybody around us, are you ready to go? Well, of the billions of people on the planet, they tell us 150-some thousand die every day somewhere on the planet. Almost two every second. So while we're here talking, two more just died, two more just died, two more, two more, Two more. This is happening every second or two. And if the Lord tarries is coming just a little while, one day it'll be me and you. People sitting beside you. <laughs> the ones in front of you. Is it true or not? And you got people that say, well, ooh, I don't, yeah, I don't want to talk about that. I want to talk. One of the things that the enemy has been so successful in is getting, he's the master of deception and illusion. He wants to get you to live in a dulled fantasy in this life, like you're in a daydream, and pretend you're going to get up and go to work and come home, wash your clothes and cut your grass, and, and you're going to do that forever. You are not. You're going to do it that much longer. And then you're going you're to leave here. And with so many people of the 155,000 that are leaving the planet today dying, I assure you, most of them are shocked. They thought they would have more time. Most of them are shocked when it happens. They're like, they had plans. One of the most important things one of the most important reasons why this church exists, why I'm a preacher, why you're a witness, is to get everybody that will listen ready to go. And you need to be ready to go every day, every hour. Look at your neighbor, help him out and say, are you ready to depart? Are you ready to depart? <laughs> De departure is an aviation term. 
we fly, I'm a pilot, any airline you go to, you look on the screen, what do they have? Arrivals and what? (laughs) Departures. I like departures, man. I do. What do you mean? Well, on a departure in the airplane, you pull out on the runway. Nobody's there but you. You spool those engines right up to the top. You point it in the right direction. (laughs) And you release the brakes. Now, a good airplane, when you do that, it'll push you back in the seat. What are we doing? Come on, help me out. We're departing, brother. And when you hit about 150, you just lift the nose up a little bit. And you leave the earth. You leave the surface of the earth. And good plane, you might be climbing three, four, five, six thousand foot a minute. Five thousand feet, ten thousand feet, twenty thousand feet, thirty thousand. What are you doing? Come on, help me out. What are you doing? What are you doing? You're departing, brother. Sometimes I like to say, we're blowing this popsicle stand, man. I mean, we push it right up. What am I talking about? One of these days. One of these days. The power of God's going to help you come right out of your body. Come on, are you listening? And you're going to sense, you're going to feel the power of God like you hadn't felt it before. It's going to be like a giant magnet power, like giant gravity pull. And it'll pull you up, you will come. And out of here you will go. And your body will be laying there, an empty shell, an empty house. There will have been a separating of the parts. The spirit left the body. So we'll have to do something with it. And we'll put it in a box and bury it, whatever we do. But that's not the end. I said, that's not the end. Because when the trumpet sounds... The power of God's going to hit that body, whatever remains of it. And, And the glory of God that raised Jesus from the dead is going to change it from mortal to immortal, from corruptible to incorruptible. And we're going to be coming back with him in the sky. And you know what's going to happen then? That body's going to depart and meet us. Whew. Is this fantasy? It's the Bible. Is it true? Is it reality? Is it our future? Yes, it is. Is it the future for everyone? That's the sad part. Is it the future for everyone? Look with me at uh, Revelation 20. Revelation 20, if you would, please. Revelation 20 is a look, a glimpse into the future. Not what might happen, but what will certainly come to pass. The Lord said heaven and earth would pass away, but his word will not. In Revelation 20, verse 5 and 6, He said at that time, he said, he's talking about that we were raised. Let me see how much of this. Back up to verse 4. He saw thrones and uh, he saw those who lived and reigned with Christ for a thousand years. Somebody say a thousand years. You ever done anything for a thousand years? You're about to. Verse 5. But the rest of the dead lived not again until the thousand years were finished. This is the first resurrection. There is a first resurrection and a second resurrection. There is a first death and a second death. This is what the Bible says. 
Not everybody will be, their bodies will be raised at the same time. Believers will be in the first resurrection. Keep reading verse 6. Blessed and holy is he that has part in the first resurrection. On such, the second death has no power. If you're in the first resurrection, you're not in the second death. Can you say glory to God? Blessed and holy is he that has part in the first resurrection. Well, how could you be blessed and holy? The Lord has made you holy and blessed you. This are those in Christ. On such the second death has no power, but they shall be priests of God and of Christ. Do you think this is talking about you? And shall reign with him a thousand years. Glory to God. This is coming. This is our certain future. Skip down to verse 10. It says, The devil that deceived them was cast into the lake of fire and brimstone, where the beast and the false prophet are, and shall be tormented day and night for how long? Forever and ever. Verse 11, And I saw a great white throne, and him that sat on it, from whose face the earth and heaven fled away. And there was no place for them. I saw the dead, small and great, stand before God, and the books were opened. And another book was opened, which is the book of life. Now this is what Jesus told the disciples they ought to be more excited about than anything. That their name was in the Lamb's book of life. Because, you know, they come back shouting about how they had authority over the devil and how even the unclean spirits and diseases would listen to them and obey them. And I'm paraphrasing a little bit. He said, yeah, that's great, that's great. But what you ought to really be excited about is that your name is written in the Lamb's book of life because that also means you are a citizen of heaven. You have a place, an eternal place, in the family of God and in the rulership in the kingdom of God which means far more than we understand right now. He said the dead were judged out of those things written in the books according to their works and the sea gave up the dead which were in it and death and hell delivered up the dead which were in them. Now think about it. People that died at sea where's their body? The sharks got them. Or whatever. Or, or, you know, hundreds of years ago, the remains drifted down to the seabed and been covered up. God knows where every molecule is. And uh, they were judged according to their works. And death and hell were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. Physically dying is not even remotely the worst thing that could happen to you. Dying without God is the worst thing that could happen to you because now you are subject to the second death. He said, Whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. Into the lake of fire. Now this fire... Jesus said is unquenchable and it lasts forever. I know people don't like to talk about it, but there hadn't been enough talk about it. People have stopped talking about it. And the enemy wants this so that people can be lulled into a false sense of, well, they don't believe in Jesus, but they, you know, they got a good heart and I think, you know, they'll be okay. Well, that's your idea. That's you writing your own beliefs. Is the Bible true? If this is true, this is serious. This is alarming. Horrifying. We should know it. Jesus said concerning 
death, you know, when he said to people, he said, uh, Mark 9, he said that they would go into fire that shall never be quenched. Mark 9, 43, where the worm dies not and the fire is not quenched. He said it again in 45, into fire that never shall be quenched, where the worm dies not and the fire is not quenched. He said it again in verse 48. Revelation 14, we were just there. He he said, uh, they'll be tormented with fire and brimstone and the smoke of their torment ascends up forever and ever. And they have no rest day and night. This is existence separated from God. This is existence without life or light or joy or peace. And It wasn't designed for human beings. Matthew 25, 41. He said, Then shall he say to those, Depart from me, you cursed into everlasting fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. Who was it prepared for and made for? The devil and his angels. Well, then why would human beings wind up there? Well, if you don't want God, and you don't want to be with God, there's only one other place to go. And if you've chosen to believe the lies of the enemy and bow your knee to his junk, you get to be with him. I heard somebody, you know, an unbeliever one time saying, well, how can a God who is love send people to an everlasting hell and place a torment? You know, they they scoff at it. They mock at it. And one, one day I was hearing that and the Lord spoke to my heart. I don't mean I heard a voice, but very distinctly. He said, Keith, it's not my choice. Amen. You know, in back years ago, we taught that series on you choose. Yes, sir. That's where that came out of. I began to meditate on that and look at that. He said, it's not my choice. Now, you, much of the church world does not even believe that. They don't believe God would say, it's not my choice. They believe he's controlling everybody's choice and everything. It's a lie. It's not true. Amen. It's not his choice. Somebody say, thank you, Lord, for eternal life. Oh, hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. Thank you, Lord, for eternal life. Eternal life. You know, Psalm 14, 1 You also find it in 53.1. says, the fool has said, what? There is no God. And see, everything that goes with that, if there's no God, there's no heaven, there's no hell, there's no redemption, there's no salvation, there's no eternal life, and also there's no right. There's no wrong because there's no good and there's no evil. That can only, depending on how far you go with that, that can only end up in chaos and destruction. When you've got no standard, you've got no right. Somebody says, well, there's right and wrong. Well, according to who? Who gets to say what's right and what's wrong? And you see people doing that and it changes every other day. This used to be wrong, but now it's okay. (laughs) Well, if that means the things that are wrong today will soon be okay. There is a standard. There is right and wrong. There is good and evil. There is a heaven. And there is a hell. And hell and death and the devil and his bunch are going to be cast into the lake of fire that burns forever and ever with everlasting fire and destruction. That is called the second death. And those whose names are not in the Lamb's book of life will be in that place, according to the Bible. So, oh, friend, how vital it is that we believe on him. I mean, if people really knew it, they would not wait a second before they received him. You know, you hear people... I hear guys supposed to be tough guys, you know, talking about, well, I'd, I'd rather reign in hell than serve in heaven. That's because you ain't been there. 
you don't have a clue what you're talking about. My father in the faith, Kenneth Hagin, that a lot of you have been ministered to by as well, he gives an account, tells an experience that he died when he was a teenager and he was at that time unsaved and that he went down to hell. Amazing testimony. I was in the service with him many times when he would take time and tell it. And I'm telling you, when he would tell it, it would get so quiet you could hear a pin drop. And I mean the hair would stand up on the, the back of your neck. It, it was astounding to hear. He said at age 16, he died. The doctors told him in his condition he could not live. He had been bedfast for what, nearly two years or something off and on. And uh, he said when he died, he quit breathing. And he said his spirit, he slipped out of his body. He said like a, a hand out of a glove or a foot out of a boot. He said he, he came out and he said he went out of the bedroom and he went out on the porch. He could see everything. Well, he's him. And he said he could feel the cool breezes of the earth. But he said he, he came off and went down. And he went down into the earth. And he said the further he went, the darker it got. And the further he went, the hotter it got. And it got darker and darker and hotter and hotter until he said it was darkness. He said you couldn't see your hand in front of your face. He said it was darkness you could feel. And he said as he got lower and lower, he went straight down, and, it, and eventually he began to move forward a little bit as he continued descending. And he could see orange orbs in the distance. And he said he just knew it was hell. And he said, so he said, he's just a 16-year-old boy. He said, but he, he just knew if he went in there, he'd never come out. He just knew it somehow. And so he began to cry out and scream and say, God, I go to the church. God, I've been baptized in water. God, God. But he just kept going and just kept going. How many understand attending church won't save you? Amen. Having your name on a church roster won't save you. Amen. Being baptized a certain formula in water won't save you. Amen. You must be born again. How? You must genuinely from your heart believe what God has said and receive Jesus as your Lord. It can't be a religious ritual. He said he screamed and yelled. And he said as he got closer, he said there was some being, dark being on the side of him. And he said he, he, tried to, he tried to stop his descent and do what he could. And when he did, he did slow down his descent. He said, but that being put his hand on his arm and he couldn't resist it anymore. And he was being pulled right in. He, he, he said he, he just screamed and yelled. And he said he heard a voice from above him speak. And when it did, it shook that place. And that creature took his hand off of him. <laughs> and he said it felt like a suction to his back. And he came up. And so he just came up and up and up and up. And so when he did, he came up in the yard and he, he saw his body laying on the bed through the window. And he said he slipped right back into his body like you, uh, he's just like you'd put your foot in a boot. And he said when he did, he picked up his prayer in mid-sentence. What he'd been praying out of his spirit started coming out of his mouth in the bed. And he said this happened two more times that night. He died again. And the same thing happened. And that voice spoke from above. He said it wasn't, it was a man's voice, but it wasn't English. He said he knew it was the voice of God. When it spoke, it shook that place. And the third time, as he was crying and praying, he said at first, first he's still trying to justify himself. I go to the church. I, I've read the Bible, you know, I've been baptized in water. That, that won't save you. But he said that last time he received Jesus in his heart. He was confessing Jesus as, as Lord. <laughs> and he said that voice spoke again. 
and shook that place. And that time he came out and he got back in his body and he told his, his grandmother and mother were there by his bedside. And they, they said, we thought you were dead. And he, he didn't tell them, but he was. He had left. He said, I'm not going to die now. Hallelujah. <laughs> 16 years old. Before there was ever a word of faith publication or rainbow Bible training. Can you see all these things? Oh, my, my, my. But I just wanted to mention it to you because of the reality of hell. He'd start talking about it. And you'd feel the tension in the air. He, and he'd say sometimes, he said, uh, this was his phrase. He said, it'll scare hell out of you. Talking about seeing it. Being around it. All this stupid stuff. People joking about hell. It's pathetic. It's pitiful. Because nobody wants to go to hell. Nobody. But there's only one way. Not to go. You can't pick any of a variety. Of the myriad of religions in the world. It ain't going to work. And you can't even just be. You know, a ritualistic Christian. Well, I was sprinkled or I was baptized or, you know, I gave to the church. Or That won't save you. You must be born again. I'm quoting Jesus. You must. How are you born again? Romans 10 talks about it. Romans 10 and 9, 10. If you will believe in your heart that God has raised Jesus from the dead, that's for your justification. And you'll confess with your mouth. Jesus. As Lord. You. Shall. Be. Saved. That means you're not going to hell. I'm not going. I don't know much about it. But I know enough to know. I ain't going. I ain't going. Come on now. How about you? Are you. I'm not going. I'm not going. I'm not going. Jesus went in my place. That's where he went. To the heart of the earth. For those three days and nights. He was judged in our place. He didn't do it so I could could go anyway. He did it so I wouldn't have to go. He paid the price. But it will only benefit me. If I believe on him. And receive it. It's not okay. To be skeptical. It's not okay. Well, you know, maybe I'm more of an agnostic. You know, maybe it is, maybe it's not. Well, it might not just be a full-blown atheist. But you're lost. Either way, you're lost. You don't believe. You're not a believer. And don't say you can't believe. It's a choice. It's a choice. I'm so glad. I'm so thankful. I got family there. And the older you get, the more family you got there. Is that right? And friend, I got family from 10 generations ago I never met. You do too. And how about people like Moses and Abraham and Paul and Peter? They're family too. I said they're family too. That's where I'm going. That's where you go. Are you ready to go? Are you ready to depart? Look with me. We we read that in uh, Timothy. Go with me to Philippians. In closing, I think. We didn't finish reading Timothy. Go back to Timothy. And then we'll read Philippians. Timothy, 2 Timothy 4. And then Philippians 1. And then I got one more. not so many, right? Three. Three's not so many. (laughs) Second Timothy 4, 6. Why are we reading this? Why are we talking about this? This is the truth. This is reality. Paul said, I'm ready to be offered. The time of my departure is at hand. Soon and very soon, your time to depart is going to be at hand. Should you fear it? No. If you're a believer, you should look forward to it. He said, I fought a good fight. I finished my course. 
I've kept the faith. I want you to try these phrases out. <laughs> Say it out loud. I've fought a good fight. How do you fight a good fight? You fight the fight of faith. Fight the good fight of faith. That's how you fight a good fight. I've finished my course. And this is why you don't want to leave early. Either through some stinking disease or through some accident or whatever, you don't have to leave early. Why? Even if you live 100 plus years, that's going to come and go like a, a mist. You don't want to leave before you've done what you were put on the planet to do. You want to find your purpose, fulfill your course. I finished my course and I have kept the faith. I was a believer when I started this. I've been a believer through the whole thing and I'm leaving here. A believer. Faith intact. Verse 8. Henceforth there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness which the Lord the righteous judge shall give me at that day not to me only but to all them also that love his appearing. Do you love his appearing? Are you looking forward to him returning? Then you're going to get a crown too. Somebody say, I'm getting a crown. I'm getting, getting a crown. Go to 2 Corinthians 5 for time's sake. 2 Corinthians 5 and verse 1. There's so much junk that people believe because of an ignorance or just an outright rejection of the Word of God. Examine everything you believe, and not just once in a decade, every day Examine what you believe by the Word of God. It'll keep you on the solid rock. He said, for we know. We what? Don't you like that? It's not somebody's goofy theory. We know that if our earthly house of this tabernacle, he's talking about your body, were dissolved. We have a building of God, something God has built, a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. Keep reading. It says it here. In this we groan, earnestly desiring to be clothed upon with our house which is from heaven. We want our new and improved house. <laughs> this one's been messed up. <laughs> and part of it, we did it. And part of it, we messed it up. Right? Between the curse and the devil and us. We have caused ourselves problems. And part of it cannot be fixed. It keeps getting older. And the only thing that's going to fix it is the glory of God and the regenerating power of the Holy Spirit changing it into an immortal body. So he said, we groan desiring this house from heaven. And we do. Anybody want this new glory house? Verse 3, if so be that being clothed, we shall not be found naked. Keep going. For we that are in this tabernacle do groan, being burdened, not for that we would be unclothed, but clothed upon, that mortality might be swallowed up of life. Now he that has wrought for us the selfsame thing is God, who's also given us the earnest of the Spirit. Now the earnest the first fruits of the Spirit is a foretaste of resurrection power. It's not enough to make our body immortal. It is enough to heal us. It's enough to strengthen us and restore us and sustain us so that our body stays in good working condition long enough for us to finish our course. Later on, we're getting the whole thing. And the whole thing won't just fix you, it will make you immortal. You don't get healed in death. If you don't use healing now, later on you're immortal. Keep reading verse 6. Therefore we're always confident, knowing that while we're at home in the body, we're absent from the Lord. We walk by faith, not by sight. Verse 8. We're confident, I say, and willing rather to be absent from the body. When did that happen? When you departed. 
and to be present with the Lord. Absent from the body, present with the Lord. That's when your spirit uncoupled from your body. The way you can tell a spirit is in a body is that it is breathing. You know, pneuma is also the word for breath, also the word for spirit. Something is drawing the breath in and pushing it out that you can't see. Something is causing the heart to beat. Something is causing the the brain to have activity. You can't see it under a microscope. It's the living spirit. Now look in Philippians. Philippians 1, verse 20. He said, according to my earnest expectation and my hope, that in nothing I shall be ashamed, but that with all boldness as always, so now also Christ shall be magnified in my body, whether it be by life or by death. Did you know that um, God can be glorified in the way you die? There's a right season to die, and there's a wrong season to die. There's a right way to go, and there's a wrong way to go. You can die too young, And the wrong way. You're still saved. But you were robbed of some time and years. There's a right way. You know the scripture says. Let me die the death of the righteous. And let my last end. Be like his. Remember one of the patriarchs. When it came time for him to go. He called all his sons and his people in. And he you know. Posted himself up in the bed. And he prayed over them. He prophesied over them. And then he, the Bible said he, he gave up the spirit. He departed. That's the way to do it. Right? You don't have to have 12 tubes coming out of you. You don't have to be drugged out of your head. Come on, are y'all with me? You don't even have to be diseased. You know, one time a person said, well, well, if you never got sick, how would you die? <laughs> you leave your body. And if you leave your body, you won't have to shoot it. (laughs) The body without the spirit is dead. You don't have to have some violent thing or some diseased thing. You don't. You just leave. You depart. One of these days, I'm departing. You're going to depart too. You need to be ready. Are you ready? Are you ready? Is a question we need to know for sure with ourselves. And at the right, don't don't bug people and push things off when they reject them and, and absolutely won't listen to you. But anytime there's an opportunity, you want to talk to other people too and say, Are you ready? Are you ready? Well, I hope so. That's not okay. I hope so. I hope I've been good enough. That means you're not ready. If you're counting on what you've done to be saved, you ain't saved. I know this is socially incorrect. People don't like it. It makes them furious. But have I read it or not? Out of the scripture. I didn't write this. You didn't write this. You must be born again. Right? That's the only way to have eternal life. To have your name in the Lamb's book of life. That's, That's the only way. And nobody comes to the Father God, the Creator, except by Jesus. He said so. In Philippians. Verse 21. For me to live is Christ. And to die. Is gain. Then we need to quit referring to it. As your loss. Gain. If I live in the flesh. This is the fruit of my labor. Yet what I shall choose. I wot not. Or we might say. I don't know. Which one I'm going to choose. This reveals we have much more say in how and when we die than people think. Our departure can be moved up. Our departure can be delayed. We have a say-so in it if we'll walk with God. Talk to Him about it. For I'm in a straight betwixt two, He said, having a desire to what? To what? Depart and be with Christ, which is far better. 
One of these days, and it won't be long. There's songs about this, isn't there? <laughs> Over in the glory land. I mean, thing after thing after thing. But it is reality that life is so short and so uncertain. Surely we've seen that with all of the virus things and everything else. There's always been something. There's enough stuff happening all around the planet all the time to take you out 10,000 different ways. You need to be ready to go. Are you ready to go? The story's told, the joke's told about these guys, country folks, these guys coming out of the woods with their shotguns. They'd been hunting, and a preacher had been preaching on evangelism, and they met some strangers in the road, and they said, hey, how you doing? Hi. And they said, uh, you ready to go to heaven? While they're holding the shotgun. You know? <laughs> they said, well, 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 what do you mean? And they said, well, uh, you know, do, do you believe in Jesus? you believe you go to heaven when you die? He, the guy said, oh, I thought you was getting up a load right now. <laughs> do you need to be ready to go right now? All that has to happen is your heart stop. Right? I mean, if it doesn't keep beating, you will fall over. Right here, right now. And in seconds, you'll be out of here. This will happen some 155,000 times, somewhere or another, around the planet today, before the 24 hours is over. Let's not be ignorant. Let's not be foolish. Let's be ready to go. Ready to depart at any moment, at any time. Stand on your feet. And if anybody under the sound of our voice is not ready to go, we want to help you get ready to go. Right now, right now, right now. Let me say, well, I'm, I'm going to think about it. Are you nuts? Are you crazy? Did you sit there and hear that and still going to say, I'm going to think about it? That does not speak well of your intelligence. I'm telling you. This is either real or it's not. This is either true or it's not. If it's true, you better get serious. Close your eyes and just look up toward the Lord in your heart. Anyone, everyone that has not confessed Jesus as your Lord and life, Lord of your life, please don't wait another moment. I'm going to lead you in a prayer. Say it from your heart. Believe and receive it by faith. Or if you've gotten away from the Lord and you need to come back home right now, why would you put it off? The Lord still loves you. He's not pleased with everything you've done, but He still loves you. He still cares about you. And the blood of the Lamb still cleanses and washes from all sin. You can be as close and closer than you've ever been if you'll come back. But you must come back. You can't wait on him. He's he's waiting on you. Everybody, affirm or reaffirm your faith. Do it not just parroting me, but from your heart. Say, Father God, I do believe in you. I believe your word. I believe you have sent Jesus your son. He came and lived. He died on the cross. He paid the full price for all my sins. Every failure. Every mistake. I believe this. I accept this. And I do believe that you raised him from the dead. Three days later, He's alive right now, now. King of kings kings. and Lord of lords. Jesus, Jesus, I receive you you as my Lord. Lord. I receive all you have given me. I receive receive the washing washing 
and cleansing of your blood. I receive complete forgiveness of every bad thing I've ever done. I receive your righteousness, your holiness that you've given me as a free gift. I accept it. I receive it. Thank you for saving me. This ministry has been brought to you today free of charge by the partners of More Life Ministries and Faith Life Church. If you would like to help send this word to others at no charge, you can become a word sender today. For more information, visit our website at morelife.org.